Randall and Hopkirk deceased. The pair of private eyes with a difference. Randall and his buddy... My name's Hopkirk. ...are partners in a detective agency. You're sure about that? Positive. Until an unfortunate accident changes their lives forever. <laughs> now Randall is left among the living. It's been a bad shock. And Hopkirk is buried with the dead. I've been hearing voices. What voices? Marty Hopkirk. But his spirit is very much alive. You're not dead. Of course I'm dead. You mean you're a ghost? Now, Hopkirk is the best partner a detective could have. There's something crazy going on here. It's that kind of place. Undertakers can't stop him. Vanish! Criminals can't detect him. And insults don't deter him. Why don't you stay dead like anyone else? Enjoy an unusual blend of humor, action, and adventure with Randall and Hopkirk, deceased. This is Waffle On Podcast. And welcome to Waffle On Podcast. My name is Simon Meddings. And I'm Mark C. Kelly. And welcome to the show. Now, some of those eagle-eared listeners will notice eagle that... Eagle-eared? can have an eagle ear. It's an eagle eye. can have an eagle ear. Why not? Why not? I don't know. Are the birds particularly... Are eagles particularly good at hearing? Uh, well, I, I probably. Name an animal. A rabbit. Rabbit ear. I don't know. Who's got good ear? What animal's got a... Good Remember? ear. Remember that really crap cartoon in the 80s called Braveheart? You remember that? And he used to go, the ears of a... What did he used to say? <laughs> no idea what you're on about. Anyway, so, some, <laughs> of, some Waffle Hunt fans know what I'm talking about. There. It was a really bad cartoon in the 80s. Uh, I, I bet it'll be Anthony. Yeah, I bet <laughs> you're probably right there, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, some of you may notice that we are actually recording over Skype today because, uh, well, I'm in a different county from Kel, and uh, it's it's just been a bit of a nightmare. We are a week behind schedule, but who uh, half us? You know, we've had a lot. very hectic week. It's been a bit weird, hasn't it? Like, like going on. There's been an awful lot going on. Yeah. Um, and, oof, everywhere it's been going on. <laughs> everywhere, yes. Mm. Everywhere. Anyway, let's uh, let's do some mentions, and uh, I'll read out <clears throat> some feedback that we got. So first of all, a mention goes out. A big shout out goes to one of our listeners who received a signed postcard, Cal. Uh, oh, yeah, I know what a luxury gift that is. It is, and uh, anyone can have a signed postcard. Well, twenty-eight of you can because we've only got twenty-eight left. Uh, if you, uh, if you want, if you request, or even better, if you donate to the podcast. And uh, this shout out goes to Alan Ditchfield. Uh, Alan will be extremely pleased that we've given him a shout out because uh, I think he's trying to beat his mate who uh, got a shout out on another podcast. But uh, I think we get more listeners. So. Hello, Alan. Yeah. Hello, Alan. Uh, I've got to say, you know, how nice he is. He'll never get into our underpants. <laughs> never, that, never, never gonna, and if he does, uh, we're stopping the podcast. <laughs> that, yeah, we are. As soon as, as, soon as that kind of shenanigans goes on. Unless Kelly Brook gets in touch. 
Then I might yeah. bend the rules. <laughs> Do you reckon <laughs> Kenny Brooks going to be listening to Waffle Hunt podcast? Well, you don't know. She's everywhere in the Sun newspaper, isn't she? Oh, right, every, yeah. every page you turn over, she's on it. Is that a bad thing? Nope. <laughs> uh, anyway, what? Oh, I read out the um, uh, feedback we've got. <clears throat> I do apologise for copying. No surprise, I've got a copy. Same a surprise. You will on a long podcast. <laughs> and uh, this is on iTunes, and this comes from Taffy Gar, and uh, Taffy Gar has this to say: I download loads of podcasts, and this is one of the best. Funny, interesting, informative, and nostalgic. If you're of a certain age. Um, every show is a must-listen, great entertainment. So, if you have a certain age, it's very nostalgic, which is about right, I suppose. I've got those words about that. No, 15-year-old kids going to be listening to this podcast, are they? You don't know. We might, we might be we might be street. Hmm. I've been very worried about that 15-year-old lad if he's listening to a couple of grumpy old men moaning about things. <laughs> yeah, a couple of grumpy old brummies, mate. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, Cal, what are we talking about? We are talking about Randall Hopkirk deceased. And what do we do before we waffle on? We play the theme tune. Randall Hopkirk deceased there, Cal. Uh, like other ITC productions, like The Baron, Danger Man, The Saints, and Department S, were combo- compo- composed composed by Edwin Astley. Now, that, I believe, is one of your favourite things. Oh, it's amazing. Like I've, I've told you before, we've talked about this. And we're not going to go into this detail because every podcast eventually is about me and you talking about what theme tune we like. Because yeah, we could easily do that, couldn't we? There's no problem with that. No, it's like a proper proper theme tune isn't it you don't really get it anymore the last time I can remember anything like this was probably like Life on Mars wasn't it where it had a really mm. good beginning and it's like it just reminded me of like uh, you know it just makes you want to watch it doesn't it that's the thing with it. it makes you want to watch it that's a good theme tune yeah I mean a lot of people have been complaining of late where modern day TV shows don't seem to have a theme tune it's lost isn't it lost started all that mm. I, to be honest I've got no problem with it if it suits the program but some things you can think it's like 
You can't imagine Star Trek not having a theme tune, can you? Oh, no. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't just have Star Trek and it started. No, you, you need something iconic, don't you? And I, I kind of miss that iconic theme tune stuff. Yeah, just, you know, they don't get it. I can't think. I was trying to think then. All the stuff that I love is like generally, generally American stuff. Is, it, <clears> it's, I don't know, you just don't think of the... Or it's, you know, oh, God, the worst one. It's, it's got to be the you know, Enterprise in it. That was a that was a cul-de-sac that should never have gone down. No, who was it who sung that? It was um, oh, uh, Thinky Watson, wasn't it? Yeah, doing, yeah, and he even said he was doing it for a joke. That's what I can't stand about that. He did it for a joke. Oh, it's actually not a bad song, but it's not a theme tune. It's not a theme tune, isn't it? Don't you don't think of Star Trek when you? It's a shame because I said straight away people turned off from that program. Mm. But yeah, Randall Hacker, oh gosh, Randall Hacker, he says does have a very good theme tune. Do you remember what the theme tune was to the remake? If uh, Reeves and Mortimer. I'm trying to think now. You know, I can't. He's actually, he's actually pretty good. He was actually a pretty good theme tune. I watched the uh, pilot episode of that last night. I can't, like I said, I haven't saw that for a, a good while. So I know, we're, we're, you know, we're not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into talk about that till later on. But um, Yeah, yeah, no, later on. Yeah. Okay, so Randall Hutt Curtis was conceived by producer Dennis Spooner in 1967. So let's talk, I'm just mention a little bit about um, Dennis Spooner because it seems <clears throat> quite apt. do a lot of Spoonerisms. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Spoonerisms throughout the whole of this podcast. <laughs> it's, uh, it's towards the end of the week, we're both tired. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're doing a podcast not opposite each other, so we don't even know when one of us is going to pause. Uh, oh, you poor listeners. Uh, Daddy Spooner, born 1st of December 1932 in Tottenham, London. Uh, passed away, sadly, on uh, 20th of September 1986. Uh, young age of 53 of a heart attack. Um, he's most well known. Now, let's have a look what he says here. He was a contributor to both the Jerry Anderson and Doctor Who universes. Uh, Spooner, um, with old uh, friend Richard Harris, not that Richard Harris, but writer Richard Harris, uh, created Man in a Suitcase. Uh, and their partnership continued with, uh, uh, with ITC producer Monty Berman. And they launched a company called Scoton Productions. Now, when I wrote that, um, I did actually write Scrotum. I was going to say, I was back to doing innuendo there, and I giggled to myself <laughs> there, and that shows you my uh, level of uh, comedy. You <laughs> say the word Scrotum, and I'll giggle to myself. <laughs> That's hey. it. <laughs> Sums us up, really, isn't it? That's a good way of summing up our humour. Oh, two men are 40 this year, still, still laughing at gonads and Scrotum. <laughs> yeah. um, now, between 67 and 71, Burnham and Spooner created um, iconic ITC uh, productions such as The Champions, Department S, Jason King, uh, and of course, obviously, Randall and Hutker, deceased. Um, he pr- did a lot of scripts for stuff like Doomwatch, um, which, is, which is always good, but uh, he also contributed, as we said, to uh, the likes of Doctor Who. So, Dennis Spooner, quite a, a, a prolific um, producer there for the 60s. You look, you think of those TV programs, I mean, they are like you know, just legends, aren't they? Well, you think about it, right? That it's a shame. Like, like Peter King in Department S was what everyone we never Jason, Jason King. Yeah, what did I say? Peter King. Who's Peter King. Who's Peter King? I don't know. Hmm. I actually, no, he's, he's a Nigerian guitar player for the 1970s. But that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's that doesn't really matter. Um, but I say we never saw Jason King stuff because of the scandal happened when we were a kid. Because hmm. there was a scandal. We're not going to get too much into it, but any, everyone who knows about it knows the story. Of Jason yeah, and I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, what he's right and what he's kind of like. No, it's, it's a bit like we talked talk about that in the years ago in the Red Dwarf one about the podcast, you know, mm. about the Red Dwarf thing that you know about Craig Charles. There was loads of rumours about it, and the actual true story was nothing like the rumours you heard. And I think that's the same with Peter Wingard, isn't it? That 
Yeah. You heard all these rumours, and it was taken up, and that's why we, it's never been repeated. No, well, it has, it has been repeated, but not prolifically repeated. Um, and also, I think the trouble is with stuff like Jason King and Department S is the fact that it does look... <laughs> it's a bit comic. I mean, he's, he, he's lost in powers, isn't he? Yeah, that's the worst that. thing. Because well, I've, I've never seen it. I've never even saw an episode. I think I saw it. All I know of Peter Wingard, he's bloody uh, in finger in um, Flash Gordon. Yeah, and he was a, a number two in The Prisoner as well. Oh, yeah, which one, which one was that in? Do you remember? Um, no, I can't remember. At least you're honest there. At least you're to winky, you went, no. <laughs> yeah, I got my iPad in front of me as well. I could desperately try and, uh, and get to it, but no. Uh, we, we don't have the time, and, and uh, I'm sure we'll do a, Have we done The Prisoner? <laughs> have we done The Prisoner? Come on. I don't know. <laughs> You know what? I don't think we have, and I think the reason why we didn't do the prisoners because I did the uh, prisoner for Treks in Sci-Fi. I did the prisoner for Highway to Mars, uh, and uh, and something else. So I think we've I've talked a lot about it. Yeah, no, I can understand why. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just been slightly distracted because I'm watching something on uh, on TV as well as talking to you, and it was one of those carnival things, but it's in Jamaica, and there was a lot of booty bouncing going on. <laughs> Can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you off for that one because I didn't know there was only you should have told me because I, I want to put the telly on and put me 3D. And, and the, the, the theme tune to Grange Hill's on. What? I, don't, I have no idea what I'm watching. I don't know what's on yeah, there. Anyway. You have no, no, no LSD because uh, you're, you're going to finish the real or something. It is, it is a little bit weird. Mm. I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, and ignore that. Sorry, listeners. What a, what a crap, uh, crap production this is. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, uh, he also had involvement, old Dennis Spooner, uh, with the Avengers and the Saints. Now, when um, the Baron, I don't know if you remember the Baron, uh, came to an end, they... I don't, need... I, I, don't, I don't know the Baron. I've never heard of the Baron. No, I, I do know the name. If I think it's got a good theme tune as well. Um, can't promise, but if I find it, I'll put it on the end of the uh, podcast. Yeah, I don't know that. Who was in that? I don't know. I don't know who was in the Baron. I haven't read that out. But yeah, I, I think it was... Um, According to this, the band was based on John Creasy's novels. Um, but it was when they were working on the Baron that he met Mike Pratt uh, and Annette Andre, who, of course, mm. would star with Kenneth Cope in Random Hopkirk, deceased. Now, let's talk about the uh, pilot episode of this. Um, it should be said here in the pilot called My Lamented Friend and Partner. Um, Marty is murdered. Now, Marty is the one who's played by Kenneth Cope. Uh, he's murdered during an investigation, but he immediately returns as a ghost whom only Jeff and the occasional psychic uh, can see to help Jeff bring murder to justice. However, in helping Jeff with his case, Marty stays out of his new grave for too long and is cursed to walk the earth for 100 years. That's a real bugger, isn't it? You know, weird, you know, <clears throat> weird, you talk about that. I don't, I don't remember the thing cursed for 100 years. But I watched it loads and I, don't ever, I didn't ever know that. I always wondered uh, what was going to happen to him. So he's mm. on Jujers. Look at how it's actually worth it. Into this podcast, Mitch. <laughs> I, I congratulate you on it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, the pilot uh, is available on YouTube. Uh, my dog must be seeing a ghost as it's totally <laughs> talking about it. Oh. Oh, no. Shut up. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so 100 years. I mean, when you think about it, um, Mike and Jeannie are probably round about. Say, 35, 40 years old. They're being optimistic there, but yeah, that's the thing. Because in your head, you think they must be about forty odd, but they're probably about twenty-one, weren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll learn a minute. Uh, okay, uh, a brief pause there, Cal, as I uh, abuse the animal. Abuse my dog. Um, 
who's now looking at me rather rather sorry for herself. Uh, is lie down. Don't look at me. Sorry, hand. Uh, yeah, you can actually see a lot of these random hot curds you see stuff on uh, YouTube, um, and pretty good, uh, pretty good quality they are as well. Although I think it's pretty cheap on DVD. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, it's it's like when we did about the Avengers. It's the kind of thing. Do you ever just justify by it? Will you ever sit down and think, well, I'm going to have a random hot curd disease marathon? It's never going to happen, is it? No, I, I don't think so, really. No. Like, it, like I said, it will go more into this anyway. Oh yeah. Um, where was I? A hundred years. That seems awful. Awfully long time. Well, no, just saying then that you're saying they've got to be what mid to late, probably about our age, weren't they? I hope so, mm. because he lived well. Um, so, say obviously in the sixties they were living to about sixty. So that's <laughs> what was Kenneth Cope going to do for them other other years? Yeah, when no one else can see him. Mm. That is curse, isn't it? Really? I think in the sixties they weren't thinking people were like, actually thinking about it that much. No. Now, would you would you say um, Random Hot Curtis is a kind of like, uh, would you put it as comedy or thriller comedy? Uh, it, you know, it's a really interesting thing because the thriller element, even though it's meant to be a thriller, it, it's sort of, it was never that, I don't know, was it? I spoke, no, to me, it's a comedy. I know if you went back, it probably wasn't. It was probably just light, a light-hearted drama, wasn't it? Which is an mm. awful term, isn't it? Light-hearted drama. <clears throat> well, I think that light-hearted drama does really sum up the 60s, doesn't it? Yeah. I think. Really, when you look at it. I mean, you know, it starts off pretty, I mean, it, it starts off with them doing this case and, um, uh, was it Randall kind of like he's he's the lead of the case and it all those things like Marty's the one who can't be bothered half the time. Yeah, yeah Marty's the one who gets gets killed, gets run over, and you would, that's quite dark. And the whole yeah, the yeah. whole of that start of the episode is actually you kind of like it, and the trouble is is that the actors in the pilot episode or the first episode you've seen them on Danger Man and you've seen them on Department S, yeah, yeah. you've seen them Man in a Suitcase. So and the, and the trouble is is that because they're all contract actors they tend to play the same kind of roles. So you know who's the villain straight away. No, and they do, that, they, they do that classic kind of thing of like the man peering at the door, the door's open, and he's looking quite evil, and the woman turns around, and he's like, oh, hello. You know, it's like quite obvious. No, well, this is the thing. A lot of these, you know, how much I like some of these 60s programmes, they all could be interchangeable with each other. Mm. And I think that's their, their failings, was Avengers... You know, I know people love the Avengers, right? But I think it's one of the most overrated programs of all time. I really, really don't know what you think about the Avengers. It just never ever got me because I thought, well, this could be any of them. Could be Department S. It could be, like I said, could be Man from Uncle. Don't you know? Mm. Or Mission Impossible. Or all these things are all the same. I think the trouble, the trouble with the Avengers is, well, the way I see it, was that it was all fairly. Um, it was, seemed to be the same yeah. every episode, you know, and it didn't matter if it was going to be Emma Peel, you know, if Diana Vig was in it, or then, it, you know, if it was on a Blackman earlier on. Tara King know. as well. Tara, Tara King. King, yeah, you know, they were kind of like the same. He's always good to see Steed, let's face it. We like a bit of Steed. Yeah, but that was all, the thing. All had to come back. I think it was into the, it was getting into the territory of kitsch then and camp, wasn't it? Well, that's that's the reason I think like programs such as um, uh, I mean Danger Man, not really, because Danger Man was like a, a, a spy. It's a bit tougher, wasn't it? it? Was a bit tougher. It, wasn't well, it? He, yeah, it was a bit more of a tough, tougher saint, yeah, I think. Yeah. And you know, the saint was like legendary. Let's face it, Roger Moore. Um, but like when you get then stuff like the prisoner comes along, 
the reason why The Prisoner stands out so much is because it was so different than all the other programmes that were out in the mid-60s. Well, I think that's what Patrick McGowan wanted. I don't, I don't think, I think he wanted to get away because, I think, like I said, I think he wanted to get away from the, you know, the formula, didn't he? The formula of the series. Because I mm. always saw that as, that was, he was from, um, God, I can't think of, what was he in? Danger Man. Even yeah. though Danger Man was a bit different and a bit tougher, it was still, he knew what was going to happen. And I think that's why he was, uh, to me, there was a metaphor in The Prisoner. He, he was escaping that kind of role, Patrick McGowan was. He was going to something a bit more esoteric and a bit, you know, just a bit deeper and not every episode based on a punch-up at the end, even though he had some legendary <laughs> punches up in the but not everyone did it. Not everyone was a bloody punch-up. No. And this is also, when you think about it, what I think kind of like helped Randall and Hot Curtis C stand out. Because, you know, you, you've got um, Jeff Randall, who's the, the human kind of, the person who's still alive. And then you've got Marty Hopkirk, who's the ghost. But, of course, Marty can't really do anything. He can't touch anything, although he can manipulate items can. by blowing them, which is always a bit... Yeah, I think it was a way that they had to uh, find a way of actually having him interact with the story. Didn't they? they couldn't just have him standing there every episode. <laughs> yeah, I just saw... I just saw uh, and I know, we'll, I know we'll talk about the Vic and Bob one later on, but I have to mention it to you. The, the, uh, the clip that I saw oh, last no, I know night... What you're I know what you're... It's the bit where he uses his wind. No. <laughs> Not that bit. No. It wasn't that bit, no, but well, well remembered. It was uh, no, it was a bit where he gets in the car, and as the car drives, <laughs> the car drives off, and he's still sitting there in midair. Uh, yeah. But it's the way he just goes, oh bollocks! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and there is that kind of humanist. But of course, the trouble is, you've got Jeff Randall, who's who's doing all the fighting stuff, and it, and when you look back on it, he's actually quite a bit of a womanizer throughout. His oh, well, I don't, I, well, he's not. Well, this is where we always said, didn't we, that. The sort of, in the remake, I know we're going to go on that in a bit, the sort of mm. got the casting the wrong way around, I think. Because, like you said, you're right then, I know this starts off in the pilot, it's Kenneth Cope who's a bit of the Jack the Lad, isn't it? But it's not. It's, it's Jeff, isn't it? Yeah. Jeff I mean, has got, always got women, and he, you know, he, he's the one who's got his girlfriend, and he's after and he his girlfriend. He is, he is. Oh, yeah, and he does look a bit like a rough geezer as well, yeah. doesn't he? Um, okay, I'll, I'll read about the characters here because we've got the characters uh, written down from the lot online. And um, there's a good, great website as well, all about Randall Hart Curtis. It's worth looking at. Um, now, it says here, Jeff Randall is a successful but often financially struggling private detective. Well, they all are, aren't they? It's no real thing. Uh, whose success in mystery solving becomes inevitably greater once, of course, his paranormal pal, Marty Hopkirk, turns up. Uh, throughout the entire series, aside from a grey or dark suit, um, Randall always seems to wear a polo neck jumper. What a crap! Oh, and a tan leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. Now, tan leather jackets that like, you can't get away with them these days. Well, it, you know, that's, but yet again, it's what dates it a bit. You know, it looks cool because that's what cool people wore then tan leather jackets. But you just can't anymore because like, again, it's because of Austin Powers have ruined a lot of this TV, hasn't it? The look of it, I mean, not the stories. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Um, he's quick, agile, light on his feet, and able to manoeuvre around attackers very briskly. Well, of course, it's the 60s, so he's got the uh, Shatner and Magoon uh, lessons of fighting. Uh, Randall is known to have a short, fiery temper and can become uh, particularly irritated uh, in certain situations. Uh, he smokes regularly and is a heavy drinker in stressful situations. Well, that's a... Um, yeah, it's you know, a cliche, isn't it? A trope, isn't it? That's a trope. It's such a cliché thing. 
And th- 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 I think this is... Like, no, I'm going to wait until we talk about the remake and I'll tell you my opinion on that. But th- there is the, the problem with bringing it back, isn't it? That how do you get away from that cliche of having a struggling who's a bit of a drunk? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't do that anymore, can you? You can't. You've got to change the detective now. And I don't think anyone's done it. This is why people still love Sherlock Holmes. Um, yeah. Even though, I mean, even I think... though when you think about it, that's the original cliche, isn't it? The tortured genius and... Uh... Yeah, but it's a cliche from the late 1880s, isn't it? So yeah. I, think, I think we can say it's that the original. I think Endeavour is probably... Um, like I was saying to you when I was watching that, you know, the, the the pre, you know, the early years of Inspector Morse, you know, he's not a drinker in in that really. Uh, he's only just got into real ale, which is quite ironic. So he, he kind of like changes the mould there, I suppose. Mm. But you've got you've got something to build up to there, haven't you? You've mm. already got something to aim to. You know, for the private um, detective show, he's sort of dead as a format, isn't it? Because you think growing up, we grew up with all, didn't we? I know Kojak weren't a private detective, but all that kind of thing, didn't we? And the Rockford Files and all these. There was always loads of them, wasn't there? Let's go into... But you, you think of one now where you can think of a private detective. Uh, was Jonathan Creek? I don't know what I never saw an episode. I don't know what he is. Isn't he a magician? I don't know. I don't know. I can't, think of, I can't think of any where... And growing up, there were, in the 60s, it was the thing you did that you, you had a private detective. Because what was it? What were they in the Avengers? Hmm. I never know. Do you work for um, government? I was going to say, I was going to suggest that there's some kind of governmental... Um, I don't know. Like, you know like, what? That's like a Mycroft kind of character. I think so, yeah. There'll be loads of Avenger fans now screaming at the TV. When I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's fairly guaranteed we won't be doing a podcast on the Avengers. No, we won't do that. <laughs> nah. Uh, uh, yeah, Randall is also a womanizer and he attracts many beautiful women from episode to episode. However, any love interest fizzles out due to having to work with Marty. Um, you know, all respect to Mike Pratt, who played uh, Mandel, but I don't know how. <laughs> well, this is it. You'd think, yeah, this is fiction, definitely fiction. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, out of the two, you'd probably go for Kenny Cope being the, the good-looking one. Well, he was one. like the hipper one, wasn't he? Well, yeah, the Beatles began, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Which he wore backwards in the first few episodes. Exactly. He's bald, isn't he? He's bald. I mean, I'm sure uh, you're going to go on about that in a bit. I think he was thinning, but do you, do you remember him Carry On Your Convenience? Well, he played the militant... Yeah, yeah, I do, leader. actually. Now you say, yeah, I saw that for years, but I do. So he, he, I think he's got really quite curly hair, unless that was a wig in that. Hmm? I don't know, I haven't looked at no, it. You know for a while now what I'm going to... You know what I'm going to be doing after this. Yeah, searching for his <laughs> bloody bald head. <laughs> uh, so Marty Hopker, played by Kenneth Coat. Now, Marty Hopker is, of course, the deceased private detective who works with uh, Jeff Randall. As a ghost, Marty travels by teleporting from one place to the other, although he can seemingly walk as a human would in whatever the location he's in. Of course, that's just, uh, you know, because they have to. Although he cannot physically touch people or things, he can manipulate objects such as vases and furniture, which prove crucial in many cases in putting attackers of Jeff at bay. Yeah. Marty's use of wind blowing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also proves very important, distracting people, allowing Jeff to manoeuvre into and enter situations which would otherwise have proved impossible. In one episode called Just for the Record, Marty saves Jeff's life as he's being burned in a warehouse by using his concentration to shatter the alarm bells. Yeah. However, Hopkirk can also be a highly jealous character and is often quick to jump to conclusions. For instance, in the episodes Never Trust a Ghost and Murder Ain't What It Used to Be, when it appears that Jeff and Bugsy had uh, bed his widow Jeannie. Um, I don't know who, oh, Bugsy, I think that was another ghost, I think. He becomes highly irritable. I remember that. That's, that's the one thing I think I kind of got slightly annoyed by his character, that he seemed to get incredibly jealous. 
Well, it's like, you know, yeah. what, what are you going to do? You're a ghost, you're dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you this know. is where the, I think some of the four, the failings of it, why a lot of people didn't like it or don't know, is because of all them failings. Like, where does the wind come from, right? Why doesn't it fall through the floor? Wow, yeah, but you've got that thing, haven't you, uh, regarding ghosts where they um, they can only walk in their own timeline, which is the reason why you see ghosts with no legs, because they're actually walking on ground that was lower. Mm. That's the reason why you see ghosts with no legs. Or if you see like ghosts walking through walls, the reason why they're walking through walls is, isn't because they want to get to another room quick, it's because there used to be a door there. So they have no interaction, they've got no one. So they're not on that one, I don't want to get... Let's not get into a ghost debate. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, that, that's what, that's, that's the that's theory. That's the theory behind it. That's the theory. And to be fair, if you think about it, you know, if, if, you, you, know, if you believe in ghosts, um, then that's, that is quite logical. And I've always thought, and this is just a thought, this isn't a, a, a statement of fact, it's my own personal feelings, is the fact that I think, if you, say if you die... Mm then you can only go to places that you've physically been to before and because you have a memory of them. And if you've never been anywhere, it'd be all my, or a bit like um, Beetlejuice, you know, Beetlejuice, that they can't walk out of certain areas because I've never been there or they didn't die in a certain place. So if I was to go, I couldn't walk to, um, say, America because I've never been there. It'd just be a phase or a gap. Or a bit like when you're on a game and you go a bit too far and the game goes, no, computer system. That's my feeling, anyway. That's my idea. Idea of the day. Why not? I think I came up with that when I was younger. We was in Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I wonder what that was. Mm. I, I have no idea. I, I wouldn't like it. Mm. <laughs> uh, now, Jeannie Hopkirk, uh, of course, played by Annette Andre, uh, the young widow of Marty Hopkirk, uh, serves as secretary uh, at the Randall Hopkirk Private Investigation Office. She's a very attractive woman, to be fair. She's, she's hot. She's hot, uh, yeah. She's very, yeah, with new blonde hair and petite frame and build. I'm, I'm reading this, of course. Uh, Jeannie can prove a very useful character in Jeff's exploits, and she has saved him many times from an early demise. She is highly resourceful and able as a secretary, but often she appears very naive and vulnerable. Now, that's another trope, isn't it? That, that, you know, yeah, I think that's the thing what spot. I think because, you you know, you didn't mind that kind of thing when you were a kid, did you? Because you, you just accepted that, yeah, all women are useless. And, mm. you know, and as you get older, you think, well, no, generally it's the men who are useless. Well, it is true, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. but even even now, I think you, you get. I mean, you was on about that today, actually. That there's, um, you know, uh, we, we've come such a long way. I know people bang on about uh, what's his name, Joss Whedon, and the way he writes well for women. Um, but at the end of the day, I always say that the best writers for women are women. They are. They are. There's not uh, enough. There's not there's enough female writers. Oh no, I mean, uh, than that. It's just not. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I got a friend, uh, Jen Rhodes, who does Anomaly, who's a fantastic writer, but, and then she, I always ask her for her advice when it comes to writing women, because it doesn't matter how good a writer you are. You know, I'm a man at the end of the day, so I'm going to be, you know, leaning towards the man's opinion. You can't help that. It's just, it's, there ain't many Well, it's natural, it's natural, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you, you, you write what you are, the way I say, you write what you know. Yeah, see, and I think that's right. such a stereotypical thing, but you, you were saying the same thing about, um, what annoys you about Doctor Who companions, didn't you? Uh, yeah. You can just, I said, you can just tell that the it's wrote from a male that is, because mm. ev- every one is just slightly different than the other one. Now, if that was a female writer, now, 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 you know, is that if, how many female writers has there been on Doctor Who? Has there been any? Oh, blimey! Um, there ain't many, is there? I don't think. Oh, you got me on the spot now. I, no, no, I, said, I, I know it's a bit tough. I was just I was thinking then, but I thought if you actually went back, I bet there ain't been many uh, female. Episodes wrote by women, has that? No. They're going to give an episode to Julia Davis, are they? 
Which is saying, yeah. yeah, but which is a sign because she's a good writer. It's just that, yet again, so I think science fiction particularly is very, very sexist, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and it would be good to see, like, a, you know, a a a, um, a full science fiction. I'm watching a van here, just just driving out. It looks like it's going to crash into my neighbour's car. Oh dear, that's weird. Um, no, I think it would it would make a real change to have a, a, a you know a strong female writer write a really good science science fiction TV program. But you know, it's such a it's such a well, very much a sexist environment, isn't it? Well, really? you know, it, it, like I said, you know, I think you know because it, it, it took the talk, you know, especially science fiction and horror particularly. That the talk about oh, it's like it's, these people are out, you know, the outsiders. But even in their little world, they've still got outsiders in their little room, and that generally is women, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I know there was a, I know there was a quite a, a couple of female writers uh, who wrote for Mash. Oh, there the was, yeah. Yeah, very prolific and uh, very successful as well. And they went on to do some uh, really well-known American programs, which, of course, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. We've well, got a thing in, 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 you know, uh, Jessica, whatever she is now, who is she now? Hines or Stevenson. Who is she? Mm. What is she now? Hines. Uh, Hines, uh, yeah. She's a brilliant writer. But what has she wrote since Space? What, what has she done? Uh, she wrote she that, didn't she? Didn't she, didn't didn't she, she didn't do, um, she didn't write 2012, did no. she? Well, you know, I have issues with 2012. Uh-huh. But she never wrote that anyway, did she? No, she just started. She did that one about learning to drive, wasn't it, with David Tennant? Did she write that? Yeah. But there you go, that's what's become about... And you look at Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and, uh, you know, and Nick Frost, where they've gone on and where she's gone. She was equally funny in space as Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, when you look at some of the stuff that Simon Pegg's produced, you know, I mean, we really poor. We talk about this quite a lot, don't we? The, the, the way yeah. his career is just kind of... He ain't done nothing brilliant, has he? No, not really. And you can't, I mean, and well, solo-wise, I mean, yeah, okay, Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Brilliant. Great, fantastic. Uh, but Star Trek, okay, he started that, but that's gonna, that was going to be successful anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, and he also, um, I don't like the fact that he seems to be turning into a Tom Cruise. He's turned into Hollywood, and he? he just, <clears> got that bloke <throat> out of it, Downton Abbey, innit? Downton Abbey? There's a bloke out of that, there was a picture of him, he's been, he's been doing a pilot season. And he looks hmm. so American now. I can't. Not Hugh Bonneville. That's not Hugh Bonneville. <laughs> yeah, you ain't gonna get Hugh Bonneville turned in Hollywood. No, no, no. I, can't because, because, I don't watch that, but there's someone in that who's really, really English, and they showed you a picture of him in Hollywood, and he looks so Hollywood, isn't he? Been there six weeks. Oh God, I have to look that up. Yeah. I still think seeing Hugh Bonneville uh, pissed at that Russian vodka thing—that was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was brilliant. I mean, he really let himself go there, didn't he? And he didn't care. No, it was no, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is about Randall Huggers you know there was only one series what's that yeah only one series and 26 episodes that he was 26 yeah what? which seems quite long because we used to nowadays a series only being 7 episodes yeah, aren't we but, yeah yeah I know America do it all the while but, uh, yeah four, 49 minutes uh, 49 minutes long and he actually ran from 21st of September 1969 to 28th of March 1970 and not all because um, when it was first broadcast um, you know we had like Midlands and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. in North that not all the regions actually broadcast all the episodes. <laughs> no, you can't say. Would, would, would it, did it finish? No, his natural life was it cancelled or you don't know? No, it did finish. But he just, I mean, I don't think there was no conclusion to it. I don't think. Like anyway. all them, there was never not ever. It's like I love Adam Adamant. That never really finished, did it? No, Adam Adamant was on, but I've only ever seen two episodes of that. Uh, no, they showed it on um, the show. I've saw about six. So I watched it on um. On the, I watched it on YouTube, on YouTube, somewhere on YouTube. 
Oh right, I never looked at yeah. it. Because we had, maybe we had that not that cult night when we uh, we had our flat together and Adam Adamant was on it. Yeah, that was the time when there used to be good stuff on a bloody Saturday night, wasn't it? Meds when there was TV that you'd want to stop in. That was always the way when we were going out, weren't it? It was always really good stuff when we were growing up on the telly. They used to have like Star Trek night, didn't they, and Red Dwarf night. And now, <laughs> what do we have? Britain's Got Talent. And you bloody, what you were on about the other day, what was it? Yeah, and I'm bloody The Voice, you're saying, and bloody Jesse J. Oh, God. Yeah, anyway. anyway. <laughs> um, filming of Vandal Hugger, let's talk about the filming here. Now, uh, Hopkirk's appearance were achieved by the simplest and cheapest of means, doesn't surprise you there, um, which has been in use since the earliest days of cinema. Now, while the camera remained static, the other actors would freeze, then Kenneth Cope would enter the scene as the other actors would unfreeze. Now, you can actually see that, really, because there's always a, a slight jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, obviously, they cut out the footage of him walking on. Now, disappearances used exactly the same method, but in reverse. Opted effects were um, generally too expensive and too time-consuming, so that's how they did it. Though, they did do um, superimposing and blue screen, the travel mats and stuff like that. Um, in the final episode, The Ghost Talks, which is actually released the 21st, uh, the, sorry, the 21st to be filmed, contained extensive, uh, flash, extended flashbacks of Hopkirk alone solving a case as Jeff being out of town before his death. This was necessitated by Mike Pratt having been injured in a fall from a drain pipe while trying to get into his locked flat. Me mm, thinks he was pissed. <laughs> yeah, uh, me thinks you're right. Now, uh, Pratt broke both his legs. <laughs> <when> the- <laughs> oh, bloody hell. <laughs> rendering him bedridden in real hospital bed. Um, so they actually they actually had the set in the hospital room, um, and they filmed him when he was in bed. <laughs> no, that was a time when actors didn't have that much power then, did they? You had to act whatever you're doing. I see. You, but maybe they should bring that back at our workplace. Yeah, that's some fall that is, isn't it? To break both your legs. <laughs> both your legs, and then you still have to, and then while you're in hospital, they pull up with a camera. <laughs> there was a BBC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, although uh, Marty is not supposed to have any uh, have a physical presence, beds and armchairs can sometimes be seen sagging under his weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he blows a cabinet door open when the spirit moves you, and in another episode, he actually pushes aside a bead curtain. It never explains why he has also has a shadow, um, which is something you don't think about. Uh, now, except for some brief exterior scenes in the pilot episode and the original live titles, most of the scenes featured the principal cast was shot in the studio. Exterior scenes were usually either simulated using blue screen, shot using body doubles, or made use of the associated British LC Studios lot. Usually for nice TV's ITC series, however, one episode had a significant amount of location shooting with principal cast members at Woburn Abbey. Um, there's some information here about the cars, but it's a bit boring, so I won't go into that. Like I said, there um, was an iconic car. I know he had a car, but I don't really remember his car, do you? It's not no, like no. the Saints, is it? Oh, no, what, he had a Volvo. He had a Volvo, or his, uh, his later one, the Jaguar XAS in return of. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the actors then, a little bit. Um, Mike Pratt. Now, I can't think of anything else he did, so this is informed for me as well. Oh, right, okay. Born 7th of June 1931 in London. Uh, He died 10th of July 1976, aged 45. Uh, He also appeared in a TV series such as No Hiding Place, The Saint, Gideon's Way, Zed Cars, Danger Man, Out of the Unknown, Red Cap. Uh, Red Cap actually starred a young John Thor. The Baron, Man in a Suitcase, The Champions, Callan. Uh, of course, we've already done that offline. UFO. Um, oh, I love UFO. Oh, actually, I remember him in UFO. Now you say that. Uh, the expert, Jason King. Uh, softly, softly. Crane Court, Father Brown. Oil Strike. The Adventures of Black Beauty. And he had a semi-regular role in that. And his last television role was in the BBC drama series The Brothers, 
uh, as airline pilot Dan Stacey. People may know the brothers, of course, starring Colin Baker. Uh, he joined the Royal Shakespeare Company in 1966, appearing on stage throughout the rest of the 1960s and the early 70s. A successful songwriter, Pratt collaborated with Lionel Bart on many of Tommy Steele's early hits in the late 50s and early 60s to enable Steele to start to film his life story. Co-writer Steele, Bart and Pratt wrote 12 songs mm-hmm. in seven days. One of Steele's uh, subsequent hits was The Humorous Little White Bull, for which Pratt alone was credited another Steele-Pratt collaboration, a handful of songs, originally uh, a hit for Tommy Steele in 57. Um, Pratt died from lung cancer in July 1976. In August of that year, the show was staged at the Aldrich Theatre in London in his memory. The cast included Glenda Jackson, Kenny Fay and John Le Mazurier. Um, his co-star, Kenneth Cope, said Michael was a great last brother to industry and as a friend. Now, his son is the session bassist Guy Pratt, who also played with Pink Floyd mm. in their later live performances as a songwriter he co-wrote you're going to like this. On, he co-wrote the UK number one hit, Ain't No Doubt, the sung by Jimmy Nail. Bloody hell, bloody... <laughs> I thought, oh, bloody hell, I thought, I thought he wrote that. I thought no one else was going to write a song like that. And now I, I proved it wrong, I was proved. Now, for some reason, Guy Pratt rings a bell. Uh, I, I don't know why I think, think it, but for some reason I thought he was in Lemon Jelly, but maybe I'm wrong. I didn't look that up. Mm-hmm. It's just in my head. Kenneth Cope. Uh, born 14th of April 1931, now age 82, in Liverpool. Uh, he previously starred in Coronation Street as the Shady Jed Stone be- between 61 and 66, and he returned in 2008. Did he? Uh, yeah. He was in the satirical series, that was the week that was. He also appeared in three episodes of Minder, playing different characters. Uh, he played Subati in the 65 film of Genghis Khan. And in the same year, appeared in Dateline Diamonds, playing Lester Benson. He also took leading roles in two Carry On films, Carrying at Your Convenience in 1971, playing uh, Vic Spanner, and then also in Carry On Matron in 1972. He took the more sympathetic role of Cyril Carter, the son of a thief who is forced to impersonate a female nurse uh, as part of his father's attempt to rob the maternity hospital. Um, in 1975-76, he wrote three series of the BBC cello- television's uh, series Striker, oh. starring the young Kevin Morton, and inspired by the local uh, youth football team. Uh, Cope later appeared in Doctor Who story Warriors Gate in '81, and guest starred in four episodes of Casualty, as well as taking roles in The Bill, Walking Dead, Touch of Frost Minder, and Cavanagh QC. Is and it the Walking Dead? Waking the Dead. Oh, it's the Walking Dead then. I thought that's a bit amazing. <laughs> I thought we did actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and later on in. Uh, your favourite television programme, Last of the Summer Wine. Oh, <clears throat> Annette Andre, born 24th of June 1939 in Sydney, Australia. Oh. Uh, she guest appeared in Whiplash, The Avengers, The Saint, Adam Adam and Lives, The Troubleshooters, The Baron and The Prisoner. Uh, oh, oh right. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Um, that's weird. I'm going to have to watch that now. <laughs> yeah. uh, to be fair, I have, I've, I've got the Blu-ray of The Prisoner and I'm aching to... Um, to watch it. I've only seen the first episode, so maybe later. Actually, I've got to watch it on a dead later one for another podcast. Um, she played Philia, a beautiful virgin concubine from the house of producer Marcus Lyke, played by Phil Silvers, in the 1966 film uh, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forward. Uh, I was watching that the other day. That was weird. Uh, during the 70s, Andre guest in episodes of Persuaders, The New Avengers, Return of the Saints, best scene tune ever. Uh, and in the 80s, she appeared in the soap opera Crossroads. For <laughs> um, June 
During 85 and 86, she appeared on stage in London's West End, The Business of Murder. Uh, she's now semi-retired from acting and devotes much of her time to animal welfare. She spearheads the new BFF support group with her producer husband, Arthur Wingarten, uh, working closely with Virginia McKenna, uh, the Zoo Check campaign. So that's what she's up to. Um, not many facts here, uh, unfortunately. I have um, two. That's right. That's better than me. Um, and I've already said one. Oh, no, I haven't. Um, yeah, Kenneth Cope infamously wore his wig back to front in the first few stories. Um, I don't know why. Uh, and also, Marty Hopkirk's white, uh, white suit has no pockets, as ghosts don't need pockets. That's a good point, actually, isn't it? But why would they need a suit? Uh, yeah, except for... Yeah, but you couldn't have him walk around and tackle out. That'd be fucking... That'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? There's a, <laughs> would... a programme in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll write that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one I thought you might like. Sunday. Irish comedian Dave Allen turned down the role of Jeff Randall. Bullshit. Honestly. <laughs> well, it, it's what the internet says. Could be a lie. That's pretty amazing. I, I don't believe that. I, I understand <laughs> that's an amazing fact if it is. He had no I know. Think. <laughs> he was an actor, was he? No, I think we, we'll have to do a Dave Allen episode yeah. on it. Just give an excuse to play some of his comedy. Um, so, should we have a talk about the remake? We shall, yes. A, br- a brief chat. Now, in 2000-2001, the series was remade by working title films for the BBC with a more elaborate storyline starring Vic Reeves, otherwise known as Jim Roy, as Hopkirk, again in the white suit, and Bob Mortimer as Randall with Amelia Fox, wow. As G&E, two series were made. The entire first series was written and produced by Charlie Hickson, who also directed some of the episodes, the second series employed some other writers, including Gareth Roberts, Mark Gattis, and Jeremy Dyson. Okay. The situation was the same, but the circumstances of Hopkirk's death was changed. Now, in the original series, he was run over. In the uh, remake, um, he was hit by a car, and the car travelled over a field, and then balanced precariously on the edge of a cliff. And then it do it, the person gets out of the car, and the, the, the car falls. And it's actually really well done. Okay. I like that series. I, I know there's a lot of hardcore fans. I've got, I've got no time for it, have, have they? Mm. And that, that's what I, the worst thing about it was the way, when you talk about that, people just constantly talk about Bob Mortimer's acting. And I don't think it's that bad. I really don't. No, it's just as good as Vic Reeves' acting. They're not acting, actors. No, well, they have got, I mean, Vic's got, well, Jim Moy's got a lot better. I mean, the, um, the doco drama they did about uh, Morecambe and Wise. That was amazing. He was brilliant no, he in was. that. He was but when they did that, that, they hadn't done any acting. They weren't actors, really, were they? No, they'd done The Weekenders. And the trouble is, when you watch the remake of um, Randall and Hutt, Deceased, you... It's very much like watching The Weekenders. They've still got that comedy cheekiness yeah, towards each other. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think if you're a Reeves and Mortimer fan... And you're a random hotcut this time. I think you, you're going to love it. But I think if you, you're not a reason. So, you know, you, you kind of look at our parents' age, I suppose. Yeah. And let's face it, our parents don't get reason more to No, no, no. Um, and when you watch Big Night Out, it is a bit dated now. And, you know, you can see why. They're not going to like it. So, uh, but it, I still think it's an enjoyable scene. Well, I like it. The only thing that it's weakness in it is because it's so, because, like you said, we're big, especially at that when you come out, we're big Vic fans. You, you're just constantly thinking about Vic, aren't you? Or when you're watching it, or what's Vic yeah. going to do? What's he going to do? So you're not really thinking about the stories, and some of the stories are quite pedestrian because they're so obsessed. I think they were trying to make Vic and Bob like these next big, you know, bigger stars acting, mm. and it never really happened from after it did it because it didn't really do that well, did it? 
No, I'm going to say it got two series out of it, which is more than what the original got. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I said oh, I like some of the episodes. They're really weird. There's a good like uh, episode in it which is a bit like the, uh, the Wicker Man, where they go to an mm. island in Scotland. I really like that episode. And the, the first episode has a young David Tennant in it. Does he? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's uh, obviously six years before he... And it's got Tom Baker in it, which is amazing, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah, because Tom Baker plays his... Um, yeah, plays... His, his guide, didn't yeah, because that never was... You never saw that in the original, did you? never saw the Into the Spirit World, apart from him, did you? Yeah, you saw one of the ghosts who was killed in, um, I think, the 1920s. He was a gangster. Yeah. I think that's what that Bugsy bloke was, but that's going from, that's going from memory, I think. Well, there it was. Bobby Seagull was a gangster, so I was. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's uh, Random Hot Curtis Seized. Uh, quite a short episode, this one, Cal, coming in around about 45 minutes, but there you go, that's Skype for you. <laughs> no, that, is, that is Skype. Yeah, like I said, it's not ideal, but sometimes needs must, mustn't they? No, well, it was either that or we waited another couple of weeks and then we'd be going into May. So, uh, But we do know what we're doing in May, Cal. Would you like to announce what we're doing in May? We are doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh. Bueller. That, that, that deserves a boom, if you ask me. No, 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 that isn't amazing. Apart from the one bit in the middle, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get around to it. And are, are we going to talk about um, uh, what happened? Well, <laughs> well we, had, we, mentioned, is it just, we had talked about Peter Wingard in this one. Talk about him. We've got to be, because P, <laughs> no, what we can do about that can be P-Week. P-Week's big adventure. Yeah, but... Ongoing theme of uh, disgraced... <laughs> <laughs> and, what, and what a big adventure he had in that he cinema! And oh, we, we've got to talk about it, really, with Vince Bueller, because he was, yeah, he was, well, he's actually well, arrested, wasn't he, for it? Yeah, people know. Anyone, uh, people who listen to this, are our they all know who we're on about. Yeah, have you, have you seen his uh, his charge sheet photo? No, does it look? Is it funny? Oh, it's amazing. He do, he look. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, look, look it up. Does it look sleazy? Yeah, he's got a moustache and everything. He does look <laughs> a bit like Rooney in a. Yeah. In it, you know, but he's yeah. When you after this, right? Look it up. <laughs> we'll have a look. Yeah, so we'll have to talk about it because we've got to talk. We've got to talk about it. Just... Yeah, unfortunately, because it's another one of the things where you just automatically feel let down because he is ace. He's a nice actor, yeah, and, yeah, but... and you think, oh, why? But I think actually he come, he came back after that scandal because I, I, I'm sure he was in um, what's it called with Johnny? Uh, not Johnny Depp, the one with Christopher Walken, the headless horseman. What was that? Oh, film? Uh, yes, really. oh, actually, you're right. He was in that, wasn't he? He was in that, yeah. Sleepy Hollow. So I think that was his first film after his uh, yeah. indiscretion. Yeah, yeah, nicely. And it was a big indiscretion, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's it, the end of the... Uh, Cal, do you, anything you want to say or I do? Or, no, I don't know. You know actually, I, I, Any requests this episode? No. No? No, no I, have, I have been interacting with uh, the Facebook more, so um, that's mm. an amazing thing. Yeah, because she was quite angry about the Evil Dead, wasn't you? I was. Oh, he was living. Uh, like I said, I, 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 like I said, anyone who's been on the thing, you know my my feelings on it, and I don't want to get it again because it just gets me really hot and sweaty. And I'm not, not, I'm not, in, a, I'm not in a sexy way. And not in a Pee Wee Herman kind yeah, of way. No, all right. I'm going to stop talking about people who've got problems. It's, it's either that or wigs, isn't it? It is already, yeah. <laughs> we used to start off by trying to do a David. A David oh, no, Foskin. we can't get it in now. <laughs> we don't want to get any in anyway thanks very much let's leave with that well I think we'll end this uh, yeah, we podcast there and uh, well Kel thanks for uh, joining us here on the, their Skype and uh, we'll see you all next month bye bye if you would like to voice your opinions in written or vocal form 
then please do email the lads at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com and await your views to be aired and then royally torn apart or praised. If you stalk the Internet and hide in such social networks as Facebook, then why not join the group page? It's easy to do. Just type Waffle On Podcast in the search bar, find the page, and join. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures, and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort, or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a Mickey, Mickey day. day. Hi, I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And we're the co-hosts of Take Him With You, a podcast that's like a reality TV show, but it's not. Come get the juicy details of our life here at the Moyer household. Including geeky technology updates. Movie and TV reviews. And a discussion on a life situation where you get to share on Facebook and Twitter through the impromptu question of the week. Plus cool music and our spiritual perspective. Meds and Kel, you are the Waffle On champions. Yes. And after you listen to this great Waffle On podcast, you can waffle on over to our podcast at takenwithyou.com. We'd love to have you. And eat waffles. <laughs> With raspberry jam. No, no. Maple mm. syrup. Strawberries and whipped cream. Maple syrup and butter. Mm, butter's okay. The strawberries and whipped cream. Join us for the Taking With You podcast, your weekly dose of reality in a good way. Hopefully a good way. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's the point. Yeah. (laughs) This has been a Waffle On production. Copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly.